last week on the 70s weekly countdown with mark and pete it, it's it's not bad if you only had a you know two bucks yeah that that intro though it sounded like it was recorded like the ohio players recorded through a jar of vaseline or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so here's here's a question for you. there's chip there's robbie there's ernie where does Carl fit in? <laughs> you don't get it, do you? It took me a minute to get it. Uh, yeah. Steve, those kids are driving me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Especially that Carl. Yeah. All he does is go around with kung fu. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, like, you think about that in that era of time, the commercial potential of kung fu. I mean, there, Douglas had what? Kung Fu hits. I can remember as a kid when the television show was popular, kids in my fifth and sixth grade classes had Kung Fu lunch boxes with David Carradine on them. Oh, yeah. It, it had the, I remember it, one scene had him fighting Master Paul where the, you know, they had the sticks <laughs> and he was, the head was to the side, yeah. And also, kids, kids were making shurikens in the in industrial arts class, you know, the throwing stars, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it sounds like they're they're in the bathroom. <laughs> Is that a trombone? <laughs> I I thought it was like it sounded like they were being backed up by the Tonight Show band or something. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the name of the band, the, this band who does all the covers, is called the Disco Band. Yeah, D I S K O Band. Spent a lot of time thinking about that, huh? <laughs> Whenever something is spelled with a K, that's the old cliche, like, say, you know, run far away. Original, mo then when, yeah, this part, he, the speak singing part, he sounds more like a guy telling kids a story or something. <laughs> some yeah. That one was probably recorded just before lunch and at, at the... At lunch break, that's the end of the session. Uh, <laughs> you guys get their 25 bucks and go home. <laughs> the disco band. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a... Sounds like a German Oopa band or something. <laughs> Who do you think wrote the liner notes? <laughs> <laughs> I think the secretary of Pickwick Records. Yeah. Hey, hey, we got to get this out today. Write something down. This guy's no Benny Goodman, though. Was no. it Benny Goodman that played the... What it? There were two brothers, right? Who's the other Goodman brother? Barry? Dickie, Dickie. Dickie Goodman. <laughs> yeah, I never saw it as a kid. I liked it. I also like the uh, the Mad Magazine takeoff Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> so, I might even have that. Yeah, I I found it on the internet. Pretty funny. So on the liner notes here, it says Disco Tex and the Sexolettes get dancing. Recorded this hit, not to be outdone. The disco band recorded it for this album. <laughs> That's the best yet of the liner notes. <laughs> <laughs>
I'll tell you one, one thing about this tune. This is possibly one of the... You notice I was excited when it came on. Possibly one of the worst chart-topping singles ever, of all time. <laughs> but, I mean, it deserves so much credit for that. I mean, someone told me once, if, if, it's, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. And this is probably the poorest version of every type of disco trope you can put together all crammed into one and it kind of makes it great <laughs> yeah that's right get dancing by, <laughs> by the disco band covering disco text in the sex olets yeah i i wouldn't argue that it's just as good as the original <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> sounds awful <laughs> here we go one, two, three. It sounds, you know, it sounds like, it, it sounds like my high school band. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I think it's about time to wrap this up as we hear the rest of Rock the Boat uh, by the Fake News Corporation. Oh, great. <laughs> I gotta go, I gotta go out and find out more disco band records at least at the, I could get their entire discography for a buck 99 <laughs> Hello again, and welcome to the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, a show where two friends review a randomly chosen American Top 40 episode from the 1970s, the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Roback, and with me is my friend and co-host, Peter Gardo. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hiya, Mark. I hope you had a really good Thanksgiving. I'd like to thank our special guest last week, Jim Pavich, for being with us for the... Uh, Disco hits uh, done by the disco band on this record podcast. That that was a lot of fun, and uh, it it was it was really nice. And uh, you know, it's now the last month of the year, so there's September, Rocktober, November, and I I think we're done with, with that nonsense, right? From, yeah, from the FM radio guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did they ever have anything for December? I don't. I don't think so. And I was quickly trying to come up with something myself, and I'm I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> You're usually pretty clever. So. Des, decimal <laughs> decimal ember. <laughs> so it was it was a nice uh, nice Thanksgiving. We saw uh, friends and family. My daughter was home from college, and everything everything went well. As I'm showing here on channel 18. I got a postcard oh, and I'm yeah. looking at this. It's a bridge of a bunch of people and it looks like, uh, you know, someone threw confetti, but no, it's from uh, someone named Mark Roback, 11, 20, 20, 22. Greetings from Austin, Texas. Live musical capital of the world. Or is it live? <laughs> it's live, I believe. Live. <laughs> and so millions of visitors have safely observed spectacular bat emergencies no, emergences from Austin's famous Congress Avenue Bridge. 
find out how the bat scientists and conservationists Merlin Tuttle save these millions of other bats, and then it's all crossed off by a bunch of nonsense from the from the post office. To learn more about Tuttle's bat conversation, go to um, MarinTuttle.org. But it's kind of cool as those of you looking on this. And you know, I thought there'd be a picture of uh, Willie Nelson, or you know, because yeah. I, I've I've been to Austin. I've been down there for conferences. I've been down there three times. We've gone to Austin City Limits. They actually, the conference rents the place and has a band, and outside of it is a bronze statue of Willie Nelson. Yeah. yeah. I think I have a picture of that on my phone someplace with me and Willie Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's funny though, as, as you said, you got to look around to try, to try and find postcards, and I didn't have the easiest time. I, I, oh, you got to go to, you got to go to Sixth Street or Fifth Street or whatever it is. That's where I got up when I went there. Yeah. Yeah. I was writing, I was writing these things out and someone's, what are you doing? I was at the bar and doing it. And then I went to Puerto Rico and I found postcards. Yeah. I I found some, but just not, not uh, a huge variety. So that's, that bridge is not far at all from where my sister lives. So you can walk down there. Yeah. 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 So, well, when we went to this trip to Puerto Rico, was it three and a half years ago already? Um, Ed K was saying, what are you doing? I said, I'm sending postcards to my family, my aunts, my uncles, my sisters. And he says, boy, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. So I said, do you want a stamp? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the other thing is like, I don't I don't know that you uh, used a full size, a full price stamp for that. I, I, when I was writing postcard stamp, when I was putting the stamp on it, I said to my sister, Pete's going to yell at me for using a full <laughs> full uh you know <laughs> letter stamp for this it's like well you always say the mailman's got to eat too so yeah, that's right yeah, i gave him a tip how's that yeah <laughs> so how was your how was your trip it was it was very good yeah um yeah thanksgiving was nice and i was there uh through the weekend and then um came back on uh t- late tuesday night but um while i was there we we binge watched on on netflix that series called Derry Girls, which takes place in uh, the Northern Ireland uh, town of Derry in the 80s. And that's where that Rock the Boat thing came up. I posted uh, some stuff up on the Twitter about that. And there's one episode where they're at a wedding. At 70s Weekly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're at a wedding in this episode and all of a sudden Rock the Boat comes on and they're all going nuts and they start doing the dance where they sit on the floor and they're rocking. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And so there's a Because we talked about that with Jaime uh, right. last week. Right. Yeah. And a, there's a clip up on, so I, I put it up on the Twitter. It's a TikTok clip of the actual scene. And then um, they, I, I, there was also an article about it I posted where they said that people watching the show all of a sudden went nuts on Twitter and they're like, is that a thing in Ireland? Cause in only Ireland, cause I've never seen it here. And it turns out people in Ireland thought, Oh yeah, everybody does this, but apparently no, it's like only a big thing in Ireland. And one woman said, I'm embarrassed for my entire country. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, if you get a chance to check out the, that article and uh, yeah, that in Irish food, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. It was pretty funny. And then um, well, I, yeah. I do like St. Patrick's Day Irish food. You know the boiled. I'll have boiled dinner once a year. 
Yeah, yeah. With the, uh, what's that, corned beef and cabbage or whatever it is? Yeah, which isn't really authentic Irish anyway, but... Uh, oh, it's not? No. Nah, the corned what's beef. The most, what's the most uh, authentic Irish food? Because I go to Bennigan's and I, and you know, I don't see stuff. Yeah, I mean, they, an Irish place. They, yeah, they had very little beef per se over there, you know, back in the day. But they, um, you know, the boiled the the potatoes and cabbage and all that for sure. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, um, boiled dinner, and then you got your Irish soda bread. Yeah, you had that, and yeah. it's, it's like the driest thing on earth. It's supposedly a, a uh, insult in Ireland if you give somebody that bread without putting, you know, with something to put on it, like butter or jelly. Or something. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the only other thing is uh, I, w- I went out to dinner last night with Steve A. and his wife Val and the two mm-hmm. daughters, Lindsay and Nicole, and they had a good time. They kind nice. of took me out for a little belated birthday because i had a birthday this week so uh, another year older and not a penny richer as uh, ebenezer scrooge said so <laughs> yeah well happy so, birthday yeah thank you yeah. i knew it was i knew it was around now but i don't have it in my date book so uh, yeah. i'll have to put it in my date book yeah so you know there was a guy that 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 worked in our in our area and he left the company this is probably 17 years ago but tony k i don't know if you remember tony k we're we're moving around this is before we moved down to the other building for when we were renovated but we were being pushed away and i went into this file cabinet and i found tony's tax returns he he had brought his tax returns i don't know if he was photocopying at work or something it's like i got his name i got his address i got his date of birth i got a social security number oh my god uh, and and you know tony tony was a good guy but when you go you take all your stuff like that or you don't bring it to work in the first place yeah talk about like the worst thing you could leave behind in terms of identity theft yeah so i i, I put it on the dark web yeah, whatever. I put it in the big giant recycle shreddinator. Yeah, shreddinator. All righty. So, uh, as you can tell, uh, Pete and I have been friends for a very long time 30 plus years. We met in college and then ended up uh, working together for a long time with guys that did their taxes at work. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, in each of these episodes, we'll review all 40 songs in the chosen week's countdown and provide some factual information on each song, as well as our personal opinion stories and comments related to it. At the end of the episode, we'll provide our individual choices for the best and worst song, a song that we think will torture the other guy we've labeled the agonizer. And we will give our individual A plus through F grade for the entire countdown. Since nobody has the exact same taste in music, our opinions on individual songs may be controversial, but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. Remember, this is just a discussion, not a competition, so please no wagering. All right, Mark. So today's episode is episode number 31 of the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. And this is American Top 40 from the week ending December 1st. 1973 and the title is ramblin man on the midnight train to georgia do you uh know what uh you were doing in uh early december of 1973 
Yeah, well, I, I went to my father's date book, so I was in the third grade, uh, and I looked around, and uh, just like this, you know, Thanksgiving was uh, the previous weekend, and it looked as though we didn't go away anywhere, but there's a lot of stuff in here about Indian guides, so I was in the Indian guides with my, my dad, and I think we talked a little bit about that uh, previously, and uh, the notes for December 1973 is I.G. colon hockey game after christmas and we actually went to hockey a hockey game at seven o'clock on the 30th of december so i don't know if that was we might have gone up to springfield yeah to to the indians or the knights or maybe went down to new haven who knows yeah Um, and uh but the next weekend we actually went to buffalo and so yeah for on friday we came back uh uh, I guess Sunday night or, or Monday. And uh, I, I don't remember that trip. I, I didn't, I did look at the slides and I couldn't find any, uh, any photographs, but uh, you know, Thanksgiving was over and uh, it was kind of a blank weekend. Yep. So I, uh, yeah, I don't have any recollection of that, but I do have uh, Gail's notebook from this period it's a sort of a different fancier one she's got here it's kind of got like a cinderella oh yeah theme with like a carriage or whatever and um i i did find the page which with like the actual date of this countdown um but awesome. there, but there isn't i you know it's it's kind of just typical high school stuff they talked about going to mcdonald's and which was like the kind of only place to hang out in their inner town back then for uh high schoolers and uh <laughs> one thing i thought was funny is a, a few days later um gail talks about something like i guess there was this, some boy she might have liked named guy she said, every time I hear the songs, you're 16, you're beautiful in your mind and smoking in the boys room. She thinks of this guy because he was the last time she had seen him. He was singing that all night because they were on the radio. <laughs> so so there's a there's a, you know, an example of what was on the radio. <laughs> exactly. At that That's time awesome. Here. I believe That's I looked great. it up and. um I think the uh, Your 16 was released on the 3rd of December. So okay, right around that time. And Smoking in the Boys Room was released in October uh, okay. of 73. Yep. So. Right. And they haven't, uh, well, I don't think we'll, I think we'll see Ringo on this countdown. Um, and uh, who the heck did Smoking in the Boys Room? It was a Brownsville station. Brownsville Junction. Yeah, yeah Junction. Or, yeah, yeah. Yes. Whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I'm not sure. And, uh, I'm not no, it, it's one of the two. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. either a junction or a station. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that's awesome. So uh, anything in the uh, in the afternoon paper that your brothers were delivering at the time? Uh, yeah, that little, not a lot of news this time. So I just pulled out a few things yeah, in, in music on December 5th. Paul McCartney and Wings released the album Band on the Run in the U.S. So that was a pretty big Wings album. Mm -hmm. And then on December 6th, uh, Gerald Ford was sworn in as the first unelected vice president. Um, And he succeeded Spiro Agnew, who resigned over some corruption allegations. Well, he didn't pay his taxes in Maryland or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then and what uh, did what what did Spiro Agnew call the press? <laughs> oh, uh, in <laughs> I forget what it was already. <laughs> Insolent or insult? Uh, the indubitables. <laughs> What the heck was that? That was was that from nineteen seventy? Impudent, impudent, impudence. They were the, they were yeah. impudent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, so two two weeks later, we still can't pronounce that. <laughs> yeah. And then on December 9th, the uh, Arab oil ministers announced a further production cut of five percent for January for non-friendly countries and. What's interesting in in Gail's uh, notebook there, she had a note about, oh, they're saying this is going to be a very expensive winter to heat the house. (laughs) So I think it had to do with uh, this this, uh, Arab oil uh, production cut. So, Yeah, this winter is going to be expensive, not because of those those folks. Yeah, whole whole different set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. Just uh, one other thing I want to mention, because this is uh, kind of fresh here. Uh, Christine McVie passed away on November 30th at the age of 79. So, um, of course, she was with Fleetwood Mac, a huge band in the 70s. She originally uh, in the 60s was in the blues scene. Then she was in the band Chicken Shack. Mm Mm-hmm. And then uh, after playing with uh, Fleetwood Mac as a session artist for a couple of years, uh, she became a full-time member in 1970. She was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Fleetwood Mac. And she wrote many of their songs, with the biggest being Don't Stop, that went to number five. Also, Over My Head, You Make Loving Fun, and Say You Love Me. So quite the talented lady she was. Absolutely. So uh, anything going on with tech in 1973? Yeah, yeah. Again, we get back to that planetary exploration. So on December 3rd, Pioneer 10 passes Jupiter, and that was the first flyby of an outer planet by a Earth-bound spaceship. So so we'd been around Mercury and Venus and Earth and Mars already. Yeah. So this is the farthest one out at the time. Yeah. Okay. We haven't gotten to see Uranus yet. (laughs) Yeah. In terms of the economy in 73, uh, unemployment rate was 5.6%. Inflation rate was 7.6%. Not not so bad for the 70s. Um, That the uh, same buying power of today's dollar was about 15 cents back then. And the cost of a gallon of regular gas was 39 cents, which was uh, which would be $2.62 today. And does that match any real-time data you might have, Pete? Is there gas in the car? Yes, there's gas in the car. I think you uh, you might have your data before the, uh, the Arab oil embargo started coming around because the data I have is on... November 26th, mm-hmm. which is the previous week, uh, the VW bus was filled up and it was 43.6 cents a gallon. So a little bit of rounding error. Mm-hmm. Um, and the square back was filled up on the 30th. And this is great. $3 bought 6.8 cents, uh, excuse me, 6.8 gallons of uh, 
of of gas and it was 44 cents a gallon so yeah. probably probably you know 43.9 cents a gallon yeah yeah so so you know it, it must have been cheaper earlier in the year before the uh oil uh cartels if you will were messing with the production yeah. so anything on tv I, I don't think I'll read the whole TV schedule, but I'll just mention a couple of things. Um, at 8 o'clock on CBS, you had the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour. And it was uh, from, it was uh, season three, episode 12. And the guests were Vincent Price and The Temptations. Mm. Um, so you'd think they'd have Vincent Price on around uh, Halloween, but uh, here we were in December. So, so I have DVR and I got to check my DVR because I'm running out of space, but I've been um, taping Sven Gulli, which is on MeTV. Mm-hmm. And last month or the month before they had this movie that Vincent Price was in called The Tingler. Okay. <laughs> and I yeah. think The Tingler was like a little thing that, like a centipede type of thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'll have to watch The Tingler. So. Yeah, um, it was great. Vincent Price, of course, on the Brady Bunch, and uh, oh yeah, lots of other things. Yeah. So over on ABC at eight, you had something uh, competitive with uh, Sonny and Cher musically. So it's Dick Clark presents the Rock and Roll Years. He had the Fifth Dimension, BB King, Brenda Lee, Billy Preston, and uh, Johnny Ray. On. Looking back at some uh, rock and roll with also some contemporary artists. Over on uh, NBC at 8, you had uh, Adam 12. And the episode was Northeast Division. Did, did you watch much of Adam 12 or have you watched it recently? I started to catch one and it's like emergency. I, I saw a little bit of it this past weekend, but but no. Yeah, I, I it it was on, and I think I watched uh, all the episodes too. I I really liked that show when I was a kid, and I, I think yeah. it kind of holds up. And you see a lot of guest stars on there. Um, I never saw it when I was on first run. Yeah, because the TV wasn't on on uh, Wednesday nights in in our house, and it was kind of uh, emergency was a quasi spinoff because there's one episode, there's like a crossover episode where. Malloy and Reed, the cops from Adam 12, are in the hospital talking to the the nurse there. Dixie? Dixie. And then they go to leave and and then Gage and DeSoto come up and like they don't speak to each other, the the guys from the two shows, but they just kind of appear together. <laughs> so cool. But then the only other thing I'll mention is uh, at 10 o'clock on CBS, you had Kojak and the episode was The Corrupter. It was uh, season one, episode seven. And it says an ex-fashion model figures in Kojak's investigation of a jewelry racket murder case. So I do remember seeing that one. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I looked at uh, who was who was on this. I, 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 I'm sure I saw it in the last half year. Yeah, that shows on twice a night. Yeah, on one of the, my favorite channels here. The the only name I mentioned I uh, recognized was Scatman Brothers. In, oh, sure. In the, yep. in the cast, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. All right. If you went to the Rialto Theater or the Paris Theater, what would be there? Um. Yeah. The only thing I saw that was 
uh, significant was on December 5th, uh, Serpico with uh, Al Pacino and, and John Randolph. So that's a movie about true story about a, a corruption in the New York City Police Department. And uh, Serpico was the whistleblower uh, back then. And that's uh, a good, good movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. I never saw it. So, uh... <laughs> so uh, this episode on Sirius XM uh, was introduced by John Schneider and Tom Wopat. Or well, who who the heck are those guys? That's, uh, That's Bo and Luke Duke, man. Yeah, yeah, Bo and Luke Duke. Yeah. So that show, I think, started in '79, if I'm not mistaken. '78, '79. Yeah, yeah. Because I can remember uh, when I was in Boy Scouts, our meetings were on Friday night. And originally, the Dukes of Hazard was on at eight o'clock at night, and I missed it. All right, ah. and then, and then they—I think they ended up moving it to nine o'clock at night, so I could see it. That was a fun show. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and uh, so stupid. <laughs> oh yeah, but but entertaining, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it had its—it was almost like a modern Andy Griffith in a way, you know, the sort of country, you know, <laughs> southern whatever. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, yeah. and, and I think maybe that was a function of uh, our president, you know, uh, at the time, Mr. Carter from from down south. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. So I guess now, as Casey would say, on with the countdown. Into my life. Uh, not not sure if they say the title, but this is Sweet Understanding Love. Okay, I should have waited for it, but uh, this is... Uh, but well, I don't remember this song. I wouldn't know when, when it came in anyhow with, you know, the four tops. You know? Yeah. So. Do you remember the song at all? Uh, I don't, but it's not bad. Um, Casey, yeah. Casey said, uh, these guys have been around for 19 years and over the last 10 become one of America's favorites. Um, so this one only got to number 33. It's, so it's dropping back now. And, and as I had mentioned, I considered them more of a 1960s act, um, but they had hits in the 70s. Um, this was uh, the second of three single releases from their 16th studio album, Main Street People. And uh, the title track of the LP was the B-side of this song on the 45. Well, this is a repeat from our last episode, which is from September 29th, 1973. It was uh, nine weeks ago. So this is Almond Brothers Band, Ramblin' Man. Great song. Yep. Yeah, off Brothers and Sisters. And uh, as we mentioned, this was uh, the first uh, Almond Brothers Band single recorded without Dwayne Allman after he was killed in 1971 in a motorcycle accident. So. You know, I know this song because on Deep Tracks, they play the uh, 
Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band version of this. Um, but this is Ike and Tina Turner. Not to put City Limits, which is the place that that uh, I guess she grew up, which is someplace, but it's not on the map. So does it exist? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Casey talked a lot about that. Uh, yeah, Tina Turner, who's uh, real name or name before she was married was Anna Mae Bullock. And um, yeah, so she was actually the sole composer of this one, and, which is uh, her biggest hit as a songwriter. This one got to number 22, and she was born in a hospital in Brownsville, which is a short drive from uh, Nutbush, Tennessee, where she grew up. And is it near Brownsville Junction or <laughs> Brownsville Station? Station? Yeah, good Good point. Uh, but uh, Casey talked about Nutbush being so small it doesn't even have a mayor. So they they called to try to find out some info and they talked to the general store owner instead. <laughs> and it's uh, 60 miles north of Memphis with a population of 150. Wow. Life so the same is but a game well, this is Dash Seals and Jimmy Boy Crofts. I forget his last name, his first name. <laughs> Dan Crofts? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, this is a We May Never Pass This Way Again off their album Diamond Girl, 1973. So, this one got to number 21. Uh, it's also falling back, I guess, at this point. And it song calls on people to show courage and continue to stand with one another um, because they may never see each other again. And uh, it's, it's written by the duo. It's an example of their strong convictions to this faith called the Baha. Uh, ah, Bah. Yeah. <laughs> ah, Baha. They, the, the two of them made a pilgrimage to uh, Haifa, Israel, where they studied the teachings of the faith, and they often base their lyrics on yeah, themes of compassion and devotion. That's uh, kind of interesting, because there's someone that retired two days ago, uh, Jeff Kay, who's... Uh, uh, was there for 42 and a half years. I don't know if I'll ever see him again, but I spent a nice half hour with him on Monday, chit-chatting. So, uh, you ever work with Jeff K? Um, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank on the last name. We might have to talk offline. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I had. So, check the check the chat. How do I do the chat? <laughs> There you go. See the chat pop up? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, not a, I, you mentioned it. Steve A mentioned that last night. Um, so I, I did know I'm not, not well. Steve <laughs> Oh. Steve Steve <laughs> Oh, brother. <laughs> All right, nice song. I yeah. I, I kind of like Seals uh, and Cross. So. Yeah, I I mean the chorus is very familiar.
if you've listened to classic rock the last 45 years. This is Zep. That's what Zeptember is named after. Uh, and this is Dire Mocker. Or, I don't know. How do you... Casey said it, and I, I try to pay attention. Well, I don't think Casey said it right either. From what I read, uh, the title's pronounced... <laughs> Jamaica, <laughs> as spoken. Well, by yeah, the- because this is this is a fake, you know, reggae song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's and supposed to be Jamaica with a Jamaica starting with a D. Yeah, like it's, it's, that's how they say it down there. But um, it's also a play on the phrase "Did you make her?" And uh, yeah, and apparently this was just kind of a joke song, that, uh, along with the crunch off of. Same album, House yeah, of Holy, yeah, yeah. and uh, so Cheryl Crow did a uh, version of this uh, in nineteen in a uh, nineteen ninety five Led Zeppelin tribute album, and uh, this one got to number twenty. You know, I want a real Jamaican to do this. When yeah. is Carl Douglas going to do this? <laughs> yeah, I bet he could do a good a good rendition. Well, this was number three the last time around. And the best thing was Casey talking about how Sonny and Cher were playing in Lake Tahoe or something. And it was a month before the concert. And the phone lines were all jammed up. And it, it blacked out Ma Bell from the Mississippi to the West Coast. And I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Because not not more than two weeks ago, <laughs> was it Taylor Swift? Yeah. He had a concert and, and the ticket master went down and and the senator from the state we live in who complains about everything like, you know, ISIS might be slippery and stuff like that says, this is a monopoly. We have to stop this. Yeah. And this is the same guy that's, you know, <laughs> always yelling about this stuff but never does anything. And yeah. the most dangerous place between... Uh, to be is between this particular senator and a camera. Yeah. <laughs> Did he do anything about uh, Sonny and Cher crashing the phone system? <laughs> he might have been in Vietnam then. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what'd you think of that story? I thought it was a great story. <laughs> Sky. All right, this is Neil Diamond. This is B. Where the clouds are home. I I kind of don't remember this song. It's 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 classic. Neil Diamond. I don't know. There's not much more to say, right? Well, it's just to mention that it's from the uh, Jonathan Livingston Seagull soundtrack, the the movie. Uh, peaked right here at number 34. Um, this was. Neil Diamond's 32nd chart record to date for Casey. He did the soundtrack to the movie. It was a successful book, but the movie didn't do well at all. Yeah, I remember the book. Yeah, it was a big book back then. Yep. So, uh, yeah. But it's it's classic. Yeah. 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 
There it is, Go and Tell by Al Wilson off his 1973 album. A dynamite! <laughs> Actually, it's dynamite. <laughs> so this one, hey, yeah. you know, I've seen a crap load of Medicare Advantage ads, all right? Yeah. But I haven't seen J.J. Walker doing any. Have no. you? No, lately it's uh, William Shatner and, and uh, William Devane, actually. William Devane. I had to look him up, you know, but I've also seen Joe Namath. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I haven't noticed. But uh, anyway, um, so this, uh, this song got to number one, and it was uh, written by and produced by Jerry Fuller, who also wrote Rick Nelson's Traveling Man. And a few hits for Gary Puckett and the Union Gap, including Young Girl. Young Girl, get out of my mind. Johnny Mathis originally recorded this song in 1973, but his version kind of flopped. And then uh, Al Wilson recorded it with a stronger bass line and more powerful vocals, and it became a big hit. So, uh, song. yeah. So uh, Wilson, he was a soul singer and a drummer, and he was a member of the Rollers in the early 60s before going solo. His first solo hit was The Snake in 1968, and his other hits were La La Peace Song and I've Got a Feeling We'll Be Seeing Each Other Again. Um, fortunately, he passed away in 2008 at the age of 68. This is a good song. Mark, your pants are so tight, you can't even fit your comb in the back pocket. Yeah. So it seems like uh, Tony Orlando did uh, a little bit of Shrek Jamay in his <laughs> career. <laughs> You're getting good at that. Yeah. So Tony Orlando and Don were on our chart last time around with Sweet Chip to Rose at number seven, uh, which is nine weeks ago. And this has the same, this feels as though it's out of, you know, the 20s again, just like, you know, that song. Yeah. Kind of fun. Yeah. It's off that album, uh, Dawn's New Ragtime Follies, which I think kind of had that theme of uh, this yeah. type of music. So Casey talked about how Taya Yellow Ribbon was the most played song on jukeboxes in 1970. Um, so this song got to number 27, but uh, number three on the Billboard Adult Contemporary chart. And it also was number one in Canada and number six in New Zealand. Um, big international hit. You know, 
that that whole story, you know, what did you have to do to figure out how to tally all that stuff? Now jukeboxes are all over the internet. There's no CDs even or 45s or, or whatever. So there must have been a, like, when you put your quarter in or something and you push the buttons, there was a, like an odometer inside the mechanical machine to count it up. And then the guy had to take all the coins out, put them in a sack, you know, write all the numbers down, reset them all or something. Yeah. You know, I can imagine how hard that was. Yeah, yeah. You wonder how accurate it was. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm going. And did the counter roll over if the song got played? You know? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Why me, Lord? All right, this was number 23 last time around. This is our friend who uh, <coughs> wants to do movies again. Oh, no, that's the other one. <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Don't get them mixed up. The bricks you dip in the gold, and the gold you dip in the red paint. Chris Christopherson doing Why Me. When I saw this come up, I'm just like, oh, brother. Um, Tell me, Lord. Oh. Yeah. You got anything else that you didn't talk about nine weeks ago? I don't think so. I don't know if I mentioned Larry Gatlin and Rita Coolidge saying back up on the track. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was off the album Jesus Was a Capricorn. It's almost Capricorn season, right? There. James by John Lennon off the album Mind Games. Uh, so this song is inspired by a book John read called Mind Games, The Guide to Inner Space, written by Robert Masters and Gene And it explains how we can improve ourselves on various levels by playing tricks on our minds. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who is the author? Uh, Robert Masters and Oh, I thought you said Robin Masters. Yeah, I, I almost was, read it that way. <laughs> I thought you did read it that way. Who was that's where uh, Magnum. Magnum PI lived with Higgins. Yeah, yeah, that was Robin Masters of State. Yeah. You know, who was originally Vince not Vincent Price, um, uh, not Raymond Burr. Who's the other big? Oh, Orson Welles. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this song actually started out as a song called Make Love Not War, which had a strong anti-war sentiment, but Lennon eventually abandoned that theme and he wrote an entirely different lyric to the melody. So, 
This is Living for the City by Stevie Wonder off of that fantastic album Inner Visions, 1973. Great, great, great LP. Yeah. Yeah. So this one went to number eight and it won the 1974 Grammy Award for Best R&B Song. Um, The album uh, won the Grammy for the Album of the Year. And Stevie Wonder played all the instruments on this song and also did all the vocals. The instruments are the Fender Rhodes, uh, electric piano, uh, drums, and the Moog bass, and the Tonto synthesizer. <laughs> was that the, the thing that was the size of the room? I think I mean, so. I, I always remember seeing a photograph of, of Stevie Wonder in this big giant room. It's like you know a room full of, of test equipment. You know that yeah. we would see at our factory. Yeah, big DTS, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. This is this is a great song, great LP. He was uh, number six last time around with Higher Ground, which is also off that record. And can't say enough about Stevie Wonder. It's great stuff. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful stuff. remember this song i did not remember it i did not and it, it's a little bit of a different song for this guy so, so this is yeah he just said it Ooh baby by gilbert o'sullivan off his uh, album i'm a writer not a fighter um, this one got to number 25 i couldn't find much of anything on this song um, it was off of O'Sullivan's third album, which reflected a new emphasis on rock music and funk influences. You can kind of hear that. And uh, the lead single was Get Down. That one reached number seven in both U.S. and Canada, and number three in the Netherlands. Uh, following Alone Again Naturally and Clear, Get Down was O'Sullivan's third million seller. He'd have three more top 40 hits in the 70s. And, uh, he was born in Waterford, Ireland, don't you know, in 1946. He's 76 years old today. Is today's birthday? I, I should say at this present time. Okay. <laughs> Figure of speech. What if he shares a birthday with you? Nah, you know who does? Billy cool. Idol. <laughs> now, this song was uh, number 36 last time around. This is uh, Bob uh, knocking a heaven store. Got all the way up to number 12, 14 week on the charts. And uh, this is for that movie that I never saw. Yeah, uh, that I don't remember what it is. Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid soundtrack, and uh, this is when uh, Slim Pickens, the sheriff, is dying in the movie. I got backstage pass to the 
is Loggins and Messina. I wonder when they say it, right? How about now? <laughs> yeah. There you go. My music. I was wondering how long it took. Um, yeah, this is off their album Full Sail. And uh, Casey said these guys are a relatively new duo that have scored a couple times in the top 40 in the past year with Your Mama Don't Dance and Thinking of You. So this was their last top 40 hit as a duo. And of course, Jim Messina, uh, formerly of Poco and the Buffalo Springfield. Yep. He's 74 years old and Kenny Loggins is also 74. Kenny Loggins became the 80s soundtrack guru and uh, House on Food Corner. And did a lot with Michael McDonald. Both the Doobie Brothers. I like this song. Yeah, I like Loggins Messina. Yeah, this sounds quite a bit like uh, Your Mama Don't Dance in that, yeah. that kind of vein. But I remember that record cover, and I think it was good form for them to keep their shirts on for that record <laughs> cover, because I think they're on a boat, all right? Uh, not <laughs> so, like... Uh, <laughs> not Edgar, like the guy Edgar got Winter. a new gym. <laughs> Edgar Winter. <laughs> No shirt guy. Yeah, no shirt guy. Like <laughs> Edgar Winter. <laughs> so this gentleman had uh, number two last time around. Let's get it on. The one and only Marvin Gaye. I did not remember this song, did you? Nah. No, this is uh, Come Get to This. It's off the album uh, Let's Get It On. And uh, Casey said Marvin Gaye's first hit was in 1962, and since then he's had 16 top 10 hits with two number ones. Let's Get It On. And I heard it through the grapevine. And this is his 46th chart record to date. So he's he's beating Neil Diamond, right? Because mm-hmm. Neil Diamond had, what, 36? Uh, I forget what it was, yeah. Yeah. But, um,. This was the second single off the uh, Let's Get It On album. This one got a little higher to number 21. The instrumentation is by the Funk Brothers and the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. Nice. Yeah. Marvin, of course, met a tragic end just one day shy of his 45th birthday in April of 1984. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Great song. Great artist. Because as it, the more I listen to this, I'm like, this is good. Yeah, yeah. it's just such a solid R and B. Yeah. So I didn't remember this one. This is. Rocking. Did you sing at the age of two? Uh huh. I did not. Uh, you probably went, yeah, da, 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 da. Uh, and like the, the Count of Monte Cristo, I cursed the day I was born. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> but uh, I, I sort of remember this song. Do you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So this is. But a, I would never, if, if they played it, who did this? this I'd is, be like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So this is the Stylistics Rock and Roll Baby off the album Rock and Roll Baby. Um, it's a song written by Linda Creed and Tom Bell. This one got to number 14 and 
number three on the R&B chart. Uh, Tom Bell also wrote the Spinners, I'll Be Around. Great song. song. Yep. And Linda Creed wrote The Greatest Love of All, the big hit for Whitney Houston. So the two of them Ugh. wrote many songs for the Stylistics. Um, the Stylistics had 10 top 40 hits in the 1970s. We've seen them before uh, in our episodes. Uh, their biggest hit was You Make Me Feel Brand New. That went to number two in 1974. And in 2018, the Stylistics celebrated their 50th anniversary in the music industry. Their milestone was acknowledged at venues throughout the year during their 50th anniversary tour in the U.S. and overseas. we have here says Garfunkel but we know it's Art Garfunkel from Simon and Garfunkel and uh, Casey I think was talking about how this was written by somebody else or it's a it's a cover song if I recall yeah yeah so this is all I know and uh, it was um, written by Jimmy Webb oh yeah 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 and, who, uh, who did the the cake out in the rain song right yeah yeah he wrote yep. he also wrote by the time MacArthur I Park yeah he also wrote by the time I get to Phoenix for Glenn Campbell and up up and away for the fifth dimension and as yep. you mentioned yeah MacArthur Park so Casey said uh, yeah this is the first solo hit by a member of one of the greatest duos of all time for <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel and I guess uh, Jimmy Webb, he was smitten with this Welsh beauty, Rosemary Franklin, who was Miss World in 1961. She wasn't interested, but Webb took his best shot writing the song about her, and he played it for her in a romantic setting at the Dorchester Hotel in London. And after he played the song, she said, it's silly. And she left the crestfallen, I guess. But uh, oh. All I know oh, was Garfunkel's only top 10 solo hit on uh, the Billboard uh, charts, but it was the first of three songs to hit number one on the adult contemporary chart on his own, uh, followed by uh, Breakaway and I Only Have Eyes for You. So this album, Angel Clear, sold over 500,000 copies in America. And it's, uh, next one, Breakaway. So that's a gold record top the million yeah yeah so uh art's still with us he's 81 years old great great voice he had though i hope his uh afro is as big as it was like the guy from room 222 yeah i think it's Today. it's i think it's thinning from the picture i saw <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> aren't we him. all <laughs> Well, not me. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you got enough. You can for hear both my of... hair grow. Yeah, you got enough for both of us over there. <laughs> <laughs> you have a good head of hair too. Some people call me the space choo -choo. Yeah. Some call no. me the gangster of love. Yeah. 
if you've been listening to local classic radio wherever you live for the last 49 years there you go everyone loves that whatever popitus of love is this is the joker steve miller band off the lp the joker if i recall yeah and uh I forget the record label. Oh, no, it's right in front of me here. It's Capitol Records. <laughs> yeah, so this one got to number one, and uh, Steve Miller drew associations to some of his other songs in the lyrics of this one. Some people call me the Space Cowboy, is a reference to Miller's 1969 song, Space Cowboy. And the line, some call me the Gangster of Love, is a reference to his song, Gangster of Love. And the line some people call me maurice is a reference to miller's 1972 song enter maurice and in that song miller also sings about the pompatus of love the word pompatus does exist in the oxford english dictionary it means to act with pomp and splendor <laughs> so, so spiro agnew did not say that the press was pompatus no what was the word he used uh, impudent. <laughs> now, what if he said the impudent of love? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that would fit. But, uh... <laughs> so, Steve Miller's still with us. He's uh, 79. <laughs> that was good timing. <laughs> A sexy 79, right? <laughs> Barry Gordy stick these two folks together again. Yeah. yeah. This is a nice song. And they've worked together before. So this is You're a Special Part of Me by Diana Ross and Marvin Gaye off the album Diana and Marvin. Um, so they were uh, label mates on Motown, as, as you mentioned, and yeah. So Barry Gordy stuck them together a few times. The original duet was one of the few originals featured on, on this album, and it was among the most successful of the songs uh, that the two of them had together. This one got to number 12 and number four on the R&B chart. It's written by Harold Johnson, Andrew Porter, and Greg Wright. Nice song. Great duo. Now, is this a better duo than Loggins and Messina? <laughs> or Simon and Garfunkel? Yeah. Or Beavis and Butthead? Yeah. <laughs> Tom and Jerry. Uh, <laughs> Mark and Pete. Yeah. <laughs> oh, baby. So, I would label this. Sexy Sprechstimme. Sprechstimme. Well, Barry White's awesome. And he was uh, on our last countdown with uh, number 37. I got too much love to give or something like that. And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is great. 
Never Never Gonna Give You Up off this album. Stone Gone, G-O-N, apostrophe. Yeah, so this was, of course, written and produced by Barry White himself. Got to number seven and uh, number two on the R&B chart. You know, uh, who was that English guy in the 90s? Uh, I think we asked, we talked about him before. He had that song, Never Gonna Give You Up. Oh, yeah. Um, Rick Ash- Ashley. Rick Ashley. Yeah. yeah. Now, that's a fun song, too, okay? But I, I wonder if the writer of that song, and I don't know if Rick Ashley wrote his own songs, you know, said, those are those are a bunch of good words, and I'm going to kind of clip on them. Yeah. You know, Rick Rick Ashley, he has those two songs that I always get them mixed up. There's, there's Together Forever and Never Gonna Give You Up, and they sound yep. like so similar to that. And I finally got, got it in my mind to differentiate it by thinking of the word never and together. <laughs> you can separate them out. <laughs> those, those are two great songs, yeah. okay? And uh, did they used to play that on the PA? In the, or the in the plant yeah yeah I think a lot actually yeah. <laughs> alright this is number 13 last time around this is the Stones Angie we talked a whole bunch about it last time you yeah. can still hear this on the radio yeah it's off a goat's head soup popular songs in the country from Kodiak to Kokomo, from Hartford to Honolulu. If I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do... So this is uh, kind of a sad time for the, uh, the country at the time. Jim Croce had died in a... I think it was an air, airplane accident. And he was... You know, with that bushy mustache and that curly hair on the front of his records, you know, I got a name and this and don't mess around with Jim. He always seemed like so old, okay? Yeah. And he was a young guy. He was like in his 20s, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so this is Time in a Bottle. It's off uh, the album uh, You Don't Mess Around with Jim. And um, this was the highest debuting song of this week. And this is, uh, Casey said, this is one of two songs in the top 20 at the same time and a first of its kind because it was posthumously. Um, this went, one went to number one. And uh, Jim Croce wrote this song the night he found out his wife, Ingrid, was pregnant. The child was a boy named Adrian who grew up to become the singer-songwriter A.J. Croce. This song hit number one in America 14 weeks after Croce was killed in a plane crash. That happened on September 30th, 1973. Uh, this song was never intended to be a single. It was released on Croce's first major label solo album. I, as I mentioned, You Don't Mess Around With Jim in 1972. The album had already yielded the uh, number eight title track and the number 17 song, Operator. And uh, his second 
LP Life and Times had given Croce his first number one single, Bad Bad Leroy Brown. Time in the Bottle became a hit over a year after it was first released when it was used in the ABC made-for-TV movie, She Lives. So yeah, never intended to be a single, but a huge hit. I think the song stinks. Yeah, this is uh, Three Dog Night, Let Me Serenade You, off their album uh, Cyan or Cayenne, C-Y-A-N. I don't know. Uh, well, isn't that the color that on your computer, that blue color? Yeah, right. in, in the crayons. Uh, yeah. Well, it's also in the, you know, in the 256, you know, crayon bucket, too. Do you ever have one of those growing up with a, with a, uh, uh, sharpener in the back of it i never did we nah. never we had the bucket of crayons that i think came from my mother's house when she grew up oh. you know, from the 40s all right and it was like a like a squat can that that you know maybe coffee came in i wonder what happened to that yeah but were those crayons all dried out Forties or the kids? Friends never cry out. Uh, kept them nice. At least not once from the forties. Yeah. At least that's what my mother told me. Yeah. No new crayons for you. Use <laughs> all those up. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like this song? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of blah. Of course, these guys had the big hit Shambhala off the same album, and uh, that one went to number three. They have four more top forty hits in the seventies. This one peaked at number 17 right here. The pine trees lining the winding road. Well, here's uh, Jim again. This is a great song. And yeah. I, I just remember when when that happened. You know, that was that was big news. And my older sister, you know, older sister, you know, had the records. Okay. And uh, that was that was big. That yeah. was big. So, so this song was the theme song for the 1973 movie, The Last American Hero, starring our friend Jeff Bridges as a stock car <laughs> racer. The movie's based on the true story of stock car driver Junior Johnson. Junior Johnson. Okay. This one got to number ten. And it's a rare song that Jim Croce recorded but did not write. Um, his wife uh, said that it was written by Norman Gimble and Charles Fox. Um, this was the last song Jim Croce played on stage before he died. Oh, wow. Performed it as an encore at the show. Um, the crowd was small as many folks stayed home to watch the Billie Jean and Bobby Riggs Battle of the Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Croce, the plane was uh, taking off in the dark after the concert and it clipped a tree and crashed. Yeah. All six people on board were, were killed. Very, very sad story. Was there anything in Gail's books about this? Um, 
Nah, well, I'd have to look back, right? Because that was in September. Yeah, yeah. Back at the date, it probably could have been. Uh, it was a fan. Because she's about the right age for that, you know? Oh, yeah. She's yeah. a little younger than my oldest sister. But, uh, yeah. Great artist. This is from T. It says, It's cheaper to keep her. Casey talked a lot about the artist of this song, Johnny Taylor, and how he followed in the footsteps of Sam Cooke. Yeah. You know, from place to place to place. And uh, it was a great story that only Casey can tell. Why don't you try? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't have. <laughs> I don't have his flair, but uh, yeah, it was two different, <laughs> two different groups. Yes, you do. The, the QCs and the Soul Sisters, uh, where, where uh, Johnny Taylor followed Sam Cooke, and then he followed them getting a solo career as well. So, um, so this song was written by Mac Rice. Is he any relation of Bill? Um, I don't know. Yeah. But you know, in, in this, he kind of sounds like Lou Rawls a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So this one got to number 15. Johnny Taylor had 11 top 40 hits. And one of the biggest, as Casey mentioned, was Who's Making Love. Who's Making Love. Yeah. (laughs) The Bopper song. Went to number five in 1968. But his biggest was Disco Lady that went to number one in 1976. And uh, Johnny passed away in uh, the year 2000 at the age of 66. failed to mention that I Believe in You by Johnny Taylor uh, was number 28 last time around. So he, he, was, he was charting. Just like these uh, these folks were the family, the staple singers. Pops and Mavis. And I forget the other ones. Hmm. What are the other, what's the other sister's name? Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. Uh, ooh, I don't have it. I don't have it written down here. Well, <laughs> sister of Mavis. Yeah. <laughs> so this is uh, if you're ready. Parentheses. Come go with me. Off the Staple Singers album. Be altitude. Respect yourself. This one went to number nine. And it was written by uh, Raymond Jackson, Carl Hampton, and Homer Banks, who were songwriters for Stax Records in Memphis, where many soul artists like Otis Redding recorded. Uh, So they were about to go to their favorite lunch spot, the four-way grill, when Jackson called out, if you're ready, come go with me. And then they started working on the song based on that right after they finished lunch. Uh, So the Stable Singers had eight top 40 hits, Two number ones, I'll Take You There in 1972 and Let's Do It Again in 1975. And of course, they had that great rendition with the band uh, of yep. The Weight at the Last Waltz. And, um, Which really wasn't at the Last Waltz. That was done in a studio in L.A. Yeah. So it wasn't on stage in San Francisco. Yeah. So. But, uh, Did, uh, you know, last weekend was... Uh, 
How many servings of Alice's restaurant did you have last weekend? <laughs> I only had one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I heard it. Uh, heard it yeah. last weekend, and and I didn't hear anything from the last waltz. So XM, I, I did hear Thanksgiving Day by Ray Davies, which is a wonderful song. But I tell you, the drumming on this on this record is wonderful. I don't know who the drummer is, but it. I'm just listening to it, even with a crappy recording I made off the internet. It's it's beautiful. So yeah. So uh, Mavis Staples is still with us. She's 83 years old, and uh, Staples singers with uh, Mahalia Jackson were at the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival, and they're highlighted in the 2021 music documentary The Summer of Soul. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read about that. Something I want to see yeah, me sometime. Too. Maybe after I watch Scurpico. Number thirteen. Was Helen Reddy in the studio with Tony Alino and Dawn? Yeah, I was. Did the song? I, I have that written down in my little spreadsheet here. That it's like seems quite similar to that that song from uh, Tony and Alino and Dawn we heard earlier. <laughs> Isn't that what? Um, <clears throat> Jerry Ford said in the Dickie Goodman thing during uh, uh, Oil Crisis 74. This is what I remember the song for was was Energy Crisis 73 or 74, whatever oh. it was, that Dickie Goodman song. Yeah, I'll, I'll look that up and put a link in the show notes if that's the case. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Casey, it cracked me up because he said... Now it's time for a gal singer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so this was uh, first recorded by American singer-songwriter Linda Laurie, um, but uh, Reddy's cover was a million-selling gold-certified hit. Uh, it got to so hang on, hang on. Three. Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, no problem. So, uh, of course, uh, we lost Helen in 2020 at the age of 78. And per Cashbox, Helen is the 16th best-selling artist of the 1970s. Just ahead of Barry Manilow. Wow. And just behind Olivia Newton-John. So, right in the Another mix. Aussie. Yeah. Yeah. But I tell you, when I hear this song, all I could think of was Dickie Goodman with Energy <laughs> Crisis 73 yeah. or 74. Dickie Goodman came up in uh, <laughs> in our last episode, didn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. How old was Marie when she did this? Like 13 14? years old. 13 years old. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, what a great entertainer. This is Marie Osmond and uh, Paper Roses. So this one had gotten all the way up to number five. Slipping back a little here. It's the debut single from Marie. So after MGM Records president Mike Kerb helped 
uh, her brother Donnie and launching his solo career with the hit remakes of all these like Puppy Love and Go Away Little Girl, wondered if he could try the same tactic with uh, Marie. And uh, Paper Roses was a 1960 pop hit by Anita Bryant. Um, wow! It's interesting. The, the orange juice woman. Right. And my sister and I somehow... The first lady of Florida. Somehow my sister and I got on the subject of Anita Bryant when I was out visiting her. And, and she went and looked her up on Wikipedia to see what the whole deal was. But... Um, uh, Marie became the youngest female artist and the youngest solo artist to top the country chart when this song hit number one for four weeks after her 14th birthday. Wow. And uh, Marie is uh, 63 years old now. So was Anita Bryant before Jane Kennedy on the CBS? Who, who was the woman before Jane Kennedy no, on, the, on um, the football? It, it wasn't Anita Bryant. It was... Um, Oh, I can see her. I, I, Not I, Jane Curtin. I can't remember <laughs> her name. I don't think her name was Jane. No, I, I, I just, I, I don't remember. Anita Bryant, of course, she was. Yeah, yeah. She got in a little hot water back in the day and kind of got canceled. She was like one of the first yeah. people I can think of that got canceled. Yeah. the artist that got really rich really 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 rich because he produced bat out of hell for the meatloaf all done by jimmy steinman and uh he got really 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 rich <laughs> yeah and, and you you had said that allowed him to bang on his all his uh drum all day right <laughs> that's right that's right that's all he wants to do <laughs> so yeah Todd. Yeah, Hello, It's Me by uh, Todd Rundgren. And Casey said, Here's a singer who had six chart records, none of which hit the top ten. Maybe this one will do it. Uh, well, it did. It, it got up to number five. And uh, Todd Rundgren wrote this song, uh, which takes us through a phone call where the singer breaks up with his uh, girlfriend. And it's... Uh, yeah, we hear one side of the phone call, which starts with a familiar greeting, indicating they've been together for a while, and then they it's have very to... white on the other side. <laughs> yeah, that would be that'd be an interesting mix mashup if you put that together. <laughs> I'll be home before you know it, baby. So this was the first song that Todd Rundgren ever wrote. And, oh wow! Yeah, and uh, he said a specific musical inspiration was. The Dionne Warwick song Walk On By, written by Burt Bacharach and oh, Hal great David. Song. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, Todd Rundgren had four top 40 hits in the 1970s, but this was his biggest. And, uh, is this is this from the LP Hermit of Hermit Bill Hermits? Um, no, I have a something slash anything. Something anything, because that Hermit of Hermit Hermit is a great record too. So. So, yeah, Todd's still with us. He's 74 and still performing. I saw an ad for him uh, it, performing in Rhode Island uh, back in the summer. So. Yeah. You, you can bring him some illegal firewood. Yeah, perhaps it was Dean Warwick, Rhode Island. No. <laughs> hey. 
Did you happen to see the most beautiful girl in the world? And if you did, this was in the Dickie Goodman Energy Crisis '74. <laughs> also, wasn't it? I think you're right. I, I gotta, I gotta if find that. And listen to it. <laughs> I, I wonder if that ever made the top forty. Good, good question. Uh, so this is, uh, yeah, The Most Beautiful Girl by Charlie Rich off his album Behind Closed Doors. Um, this one got to number one. And um, yeah, at this point, uh, Charlie Rich had been voted the nation's number one country singer by the Country Music Association. So, Pete, do you remember Bobby Vinton's polka version of this? Where he sings uh, instead of asking, you know, was she crying? He says, was she Polish? <laughs> <laughs> so so here's the deal, all right? And maybe we'll get to it uh, this spring. Is Energy Crisis 74 got all the way up to number 35 okay. on or about March 9th, 1974. Okay, so I just it, looked it up on the charts. Yeah, so it would have had a whole bunch of stuff from this, this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you're right, yeah. So um, so this song was also covered by Engelbert Humperdinck, Roy Clark, Andy Williams, Slim Whitman, Perry Comer, and Jim Neighbors. Also, Dinah Shore, uh, she did it as the most beautiful guy. Um, also, Johnny Mathis and the Isley Brothers covered it, and it's been used in many a movie and TV show. Charlie had seven top 40 hits uh, in the 70s, but this was his biggest. And he passed away in 1995 at the age of 62. Well, this one was number 39 last time around. Nine weeks ago, uh, September 29th, 1973. So in 1973, on September 9th, is that right around Veterans Day that year? <laughs> I can't believe I found that in the date book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, you know, this song, it sounds so much kind of like the stuff they put together with the uh, Partridge family, too. That's just sort of. Bad. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So, Veterans Day, uh, looking at the date book. Election Day, Veterans Day. Jeez, it's not even on here. So, oh, Veterans Day. My father has it crossed out on the twenty second of October. Uh, he crossed it out. <laughs> oh, what's for why? Just that uh, nothing going on. Because that it day? wasn't Veterans Day. He oh, it wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, right, no. Right. He, he, you know, he knows when Veterans Day is. Okay? Yeah, my I, father. Oh no, I'm know. sure he would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> He knew the steam tables, along with what the real calendar is supposed to be. So, so he crossed it out. All right, that's enough for the Richie family. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
uh, there it is, uh, The Love I Lost by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Um, so this, at this point, this was the number one song on the soul chart. Um, and it's by Gamble and Huff. This was originally a slow, painful ballad, but it was sped up as an experiment and became a big hit. Uh, it got up one more notch to number seven. And uh, Kenny Gamble told Mojo Magazine um, that it was a ballad when we wrote it. We got in the studio and said, this is Dragon. It's too slow. So they Man. told, yeah, they told Carl. Man. <laughs> they, they told Carl Chambers, the drummer, to uh, tush it up, tush it up and, and sock that cymbal. And, and, and that was the beginning of that whole Philly disco sound that uh, mm. later would be huge. Uh, so we've seen these guys before on the show. They had uh, four top 40 hits, the biggest being If You Don't Know Me By Now, that went to number three in 72. Also, Bad Luck went to number 15 in 75, and Wake Up Everybody, number 12 in oh, this is with this is with Teddy Pendergrass doing the lead vocals, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's great. I remember this song. Yeah. Number 17 last around. And I'm going to love this because when it comes around, when the train comes around the bend, I'm going to I'm going to interrupt you if we get yeah. there, if you have anything to talk about. <laughs> the only thing I'd say is uh, it was inspired by Farrah Fawcett, as we talked about last time. Uh, so I always thought that, that was an interesting story about how it was written. So. All right. Well, we don't need to go all the way, so I'm going to do it now. You are my love and my life. You are my All right, give me a Roman numeral. Um, yeah, this is off of Chicago VI. So that's six for the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, Just You and Me by Chicago. This was uh, written by Jim Panko, and uh, lead vocals are Peter Cetera. This was the second single released off of V.I. Um, it was more successful than the first single, Feeling Stronger Every Day. Um, Which is a better song. Yeah, that one, in my opinion. Yeah. So this was written by uh, Panko at, uh, after he had a fight with his future wife. Uh, he said, we had a huge fight and it was a nasty lover's quarrel, if you will. And she locked herself in the bathroom and wouldn't come out. <laughs> so, wasn't, we had that other song by uh, uh, Grand Funk where the guy wrote it after he had a fight with his wife. <laughs> Mark Farner. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So Billboard called uh, this uh, one of Chicago's best singles ever. So, there you go. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's Billboard. Yeah. Well, this is number 12 last time around. Nine weeks ago. Episode 21, if you want to go back. Uh, to the 70s Luke Countdown with Mark and Pete. We were just as clever then as we are now, maybe. Yeah. Uh, probably more clever. <laughs> Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, this is uh, yeah, Eddie Kendricks off of uh, the album Eddie Kendricks. Uh, Keep on trucking, part one. Uh, big phrase back then during the during the seventies. And uh, yeah, good song. I like this one. I think we talked about how I had a keep on trucking hat. Yeah, and and I was talking to uh, Mr. Hare at work, <laughs> and I asked him if uh, if he had a, ever had a CB radio that he bought from Railroad Salvage because we were talking about he's a Springfield guy. Okay, right? yeah. and and I asked him who's Phil Shepherdson. He's like, uh... <laughs> and I went. Pop, 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 pop. He's what's that? I said that's Trumpeter's Delight from a school's match wits. Did you ever watch a school's match wits? Oh, all the time. Yeah. 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 yeah there's it's, nothing else on. It's still on. They got they got like a woman hosting it now. I, I yeah, it's it's on it. public TV. Yeah. 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 And I asked him about Mr. Quinn. And I asked him if he shopped it at uh, Steiger's and if he ever went to Del Padre to buy Curtis Mathis TV <laughs> and you know all I know about Springfield is what I watched on Channel 40 and Channel 22 yeah WWLP right is that That's 22 right. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember Channel 40 but I'm <laughs> The great part. Yeah, he's trucking. But he had to remember Ruby and Choo Choo Vine. Yeah. Well, this gentleman was on the Dick Clark special we talked about earlier evening right dick clark presents the rock and roll years yeah so this is uh billy preston and this is uh his instrumental hit space race off uh everybody likes some kind of music um so this one peaked right here at number four so this was billy's follow-up to his other instrumental hit out of space which we had on uh, a previous episode um, that one peaked at number two and won the Grammy Award for Best Pop Instrumental Performance of 1972. Preston's considered, uh, he considered adding lyrics to Space Race, but since Out of Space did so well, he decided to keep it an instrumental. And he originally called this Funky Thing in A, but decided to save the title for, that title for a different track. He told Billboard why he settled on Space Race, he said, it was a conscious effort to make it relate to the last instrumental, and there was a lot of space exploration going on at that time, as we talked about with the uh, Pioneer, um, so he thought it was appropriate. So this was used in the 1970 movie When a Stranger Calls, starring Carol Kane and Charles Durning. Also, it sounds a little bit like the Rockford Files theme at, at some point. Yeah. Um, well... Was nominated for Best Instrumental Composition and Best Pop Instrumental for the 1974 Grammys. Well, all I know is I get other people's documents that they wrote years ago. All right, 
instead of using tables or tabs, they use spaces. <laughs> Hit the space key, all right? Over and over and over again. And you turn, you, you do reveal codes, and you look at this and say, oh my gosh, don't you know how to use a freaking computer? It is not a typewriter. Which one of my documents were you looking at? <laughs> I had to start this over because I just dealt with this, this earlier this week. You know, I'm trying to unroll a ball of snot, and and I'm like, we know it all works, okay? But how do we know it works? So. When are you gonna come down? When are you going to This is a gentleman who I heard is retiring, and on the XM, they were talking about winning tickets to his last concert in L.A. sometime next year. Uh, he had number uh, 15 last time around with Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. And you'll still hear this on the radio a lot. Yeah, so yeah, this is uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John off the uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album. Um, so this one got one notch higher than number two. Of course, Yellow Brick Road is an image taken from the movie The Wizard of Oz. It was rumored that the song was about Judy Garland, who was, of course, the star of the film. But uh, Bernie Taupin uh, wrote the lyrics, and this one appears to be about himself. Uh, the lyrics are about giving up a life of opulence for one of simplicity in a rural setting. Um, and while uh, Elton John enjoyed a very extravagant lifestyle, uh, Bernie, Bernie Taupin uh, preferred to keep it low-key. So uh, Bernie Taupin only had one pair of glasses while, while <laughs> Elton John had a thousand? Yeah. Remember, remember there was something like, you know, Elton John, you know, this is like in the mid-70s, he's got 10,000 pairs of glasses. Yeah, <laughs> tremendous number like that. <laughs> You know, I have the glasses I have on now, okay? I got my sunglasses, I got my safety glasses, and I got my smart glasses. So actually, I work with four pairs of glasses every day. Uh, How many do you deal with? Um, I got, uh, yeah, I got, uh, let's see, sunglasses, uh, just like readers all over the place. Like these are kind of just readers that I'm wearing now. And then Those are got, old man readers. Yeah. Okay. And then I got yeah. my prescription safety glasses from, from work. And uh, I guess that's about it. You should come over and help. I got a pile of brush uh, that I need to chip. You should come over with your safety glasses. <laughs> maybe, maybe next weekend. Yeah. Okay. And these headphones. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm going to leave that other thing on the table. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, this song is still heard a lot. And uh, good for Elton John for retiring. You know, is it going to be like Frank Sinatra retiring? Because um, this guy loves to perform. And he's a great performer. I've never seen him. Have you? Nah, nah. This is the second song off of Apple Records. The other was from uh, 
the fellow Beatle, uh, John Lennon earlier. There it is, photograph. Yeah, nice song. Yeah, this is uh, yeah by Ringo Starr off his album Ringo, 1973. So Casey talked about Ringo having a big problem as a kid. That was that's the second time he did that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he he went into the first time more detail this time. He talked about how Ringo had an appendicitis when he was six years old and had to stay over a year in the hospital and. He, he got up too soon after his surgery and he fell and broke his pelvis. And Ouch! Then, and then at the age of 13, he got a severe lung disease and was in the hospital for another uh, year. Um, wow. He, he's 82 now and he, he looks pretty good. Uh, I saw him in a video not too long ago talking about how he was going out on tour. Do you um, think he colors his beard? My I, beard's gray. I, I'm, I'm 30 sure. years younger than him. Yeah, I'm sure he does, but... Or not, maybe, no, I'm not 30 years younger than him. How old do you say he was? Um, he's 82. He's 82. So what does that make us? 24 years younger than him? Yeah. He could be our dad. Yeah, he could be. Yeah. So this, this song got to number one, and uh, Ringo wrote it with his Beatles mate, George Harrison. Uh, Ringo was the lead singer and drummer for the track, while Harrison sang harmony vocals and played the 12-string guitar. Uh, they began writing the song in the south of France in May 1971. Ringo had hired a luxury yacht, the Marala, for the duration of the Cannes Film Festival. And, uh, I have a mansion and a yacht. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, what was that from? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a mansion and a yacht. <laughs> so the pair played a photograph during an evening uh, together that included their wives, Maureen Starkey and Patty Boyd, and also the singer, Scylla Black. And they all contributed ideas for the lyrics. And Rigo was into photography. Did you ever see how he like took a bunch of pictures when they were on tour back in the early 60s? Uh, yeah, kind of cool. Beautiful. Great song. This song's been in the chart for nine weeks, which means the top 100. Um, so we didn't have it nine weeks ago. Such a feeling's coming over me. There's Karen there is most on A&M Records. Not a cloud in the sky, got the sun in my eyes, and I won't be surprised Nice keyboard by Richard. Or is that some sort of, like, steel guitar? There's steel guitar as well as uh, keyboard. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Coming. It's coming. <laughs> Wasn't sure. Right now. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, Top of the World by the Carpenters. Oh, <laughs> I can think of is on top of old Smokey, you know, with a with with a meatball. What was that? Oh yeah, or on top of spaghetti, wasn't that? That's what it is. That, yeah, <laughs> on top of spaghetti, I had a meatball. 
Oh my gosh. I'm sorry to ruin your... That's uh, okay. So um, research. So this was off their album, A Song For You. And uh, Casey talked about in the last three years, they couldn't back, get back to number one after their big hit, Close To You, in 1970. They had five top two hits uh, up until this one. And uh, Richard Carpenter wrote this with John Bettis, a lyricist who wrote... Uh, words for several Carpenter's hits, as well as Michael Jackson's Human Nature and the Pointer Sisters' Slow Hand. Um, so this song originally showed up on the, the big multi-platinum album, A Song For You, uh, in June of 1972. The song was released as a single in Japan in 72, and it went gold immediately there. Um, and Lynn Anderson covered it, and her version reached number one on the country chart. And then Carpenters released this in September of 73. So uh, this one's been used in many movies and TV shows, and it's one of their best known hits. Well, that's the number one song for the week, ending uh, December 1st, 1973. All right, Mark, what time is it? Yeah, so this is uh, the time when we look at the uh, our individual ratings and things. So the first uh, category up is uh, the song we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled. Your agonizer, please. No, Mr. Slug! I picked number six for you. <laughs> hmm, okay. Now... <laughs> I want to say that uh, I forgot about doing all this stuff and I did it really quickly. Okay. <laughs> all right. I, I'm sick of this song. All right. So I thought it might agonize you. Does it? Um, I can. I agree with the you're sick of it because you do hear this one quite a bit. And as yeah. Chicago songs go, not, not my favorite. So uh, it's a reasonable choice. I wouldn't want to listen to this over and over. <laughs> All right. Well, leave it at that. So, yeah. What are you um, going to agonize me with? I'm not really sure about this, but I've, I've sort of, based on some other things you've said and just what I think is the pretense of it, I picked number 36, Dire Maker or Jamaica or whatever you call it. Just because of the, you know, the Led Zeppelin pretense. And I, I don't know. I don't think this one is that great a song. Sort of a... I wish Carl Douglas was singing it. Yeah. <laughs> Probably would have made it a better song. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you'd agonize me, but, but what was that other Led Zeppelin song you're talking about where... At the end, someone says, where's the bridge? Where's the goddamn bridge? Uh, what was that? Yeah. What's you mentioned it. Because I've heard that a whole bunch recently on Deep Tracks. Yeah. Um, Dude, you just talked about it, you know, an hour ago. <laughs> Shows you how good my memory is. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, yeah. It was... Uh, the Creed? Yeah. So, uh, it was the other sign that was the joke off the album. Uh, right. The crew? Uh, 
Yeah. So the croup. Uh, you have the croup. Where is it? The crunch. The crunch. Yeah. 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 It's just like a, a ripoff of James Brown at the end. Yeah. 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 But at least they were having fun, you know? Yeah. So. All right. So now we're going to go to uh, the best song of the countdown. It wouldn't surprise me if we match up on this. Number eight. I think this is a great song. Yeah, yeah, this is a good one. For sure. Um, didn't wasn't wasn't my pick, but it was. Uh, I certainly rated it a, a good song. Yeah. Yeah. I I I was struggling because the whole Jim Croce thing is. You know, I thought that I Got a Name might have been there, but this whole Philadelphia sound, I love. Okay. Yeah. You know, McFadden and Whitehead and, and et cetera. And so, is it really the best? I only, I only made my picks in about two minutes, so. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, those of you looking on Channel 18, you can see I just changed it too, so. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh... I sort of, even though I made up my list, I there were a lot of songs in here that I was just like equally good, and I, I went back and forth. Um, I ended up going with uh, number twenty-nine, "Living in the City." Musically, this is this is fantastic. Yeah. I I, I I went back and forth a little bit with I really like Keep On Trucking and also uh, got to give props to the Joker too. That's that's a really good song. Yeah. <laughs> but this one, just the instruments in the in the back and, and the fact that he did it, you know, he did it all himself basically. Well, I can still remember when uh, my sister gave sister number two gave me all our records I took this LP and I taped it it's in my tape collection which is in the corner <laughs> one room here in the basement you know I got you know, 300 tapes and uh, I taped it it's a great record you know yeah and uh, love this record what did Talbot did Talbot ever get this record <laughs> I good question I'll have to ask him that yeah because he wanted to get it from that uh Guy's estate that had right thousands of uh, albums. Oh, yeah. speaking of which, my brother-in-law, he, you know, my mother-in-law passed away earlier this year, and he's still sure. going through the stuff that took from her house. And he goes, "Oh, I came across a bunch of forty-fives," and he goes, "Somehow, he, he wasn't sure if like he you know, bought it on the sly or." Or his mother got it because he asked her for it or whatever but he had uh, the alma mater my dingle my dingling but <laughs> <laughs> and I was like in hysterics like oh you had that <laughs> wow wow that's a great story my alma mater alright what's the next thing on the on the list man 
So the next thing is the worst song of the countdown. Lost. <laughs> this could have been an agonizer too. I, I was gonna say this would have this this would have been a good choice for an agonizer. I actually considered it uh, for you as well. Yeah. So for me, worst song of the countdown is B by Neil Diamond. It's another two-letter song like if by the bread so, which uh, uh, what track is that on the best of bread <laughs> <laughs> all right so what is your worst uh tune of this countdown now this this might be controversial to some people but uh, uh and and maybe i'm biased but uh i i picked number 30 mind games by john lennon Wow, I mean, the, sorry, John Lennon fans, but your uh, buddy Nate, who's the biggest Beatles fan around, you know, he's gonna cringe. Well, I'm a Beatles fan too, but you know, we've talked about you know some of the McCartney stuff in the '70s, and and I just think if uh, you know it wasn't John Lennon, this wouldn't be in the top forty. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of—it's similar with to you with the Eagles. I think that his stuff in the '70s was kind of overrated, frankly. I find that very interesting. I think well, you should be canceled. Yes. Well, you know, you, yeah, you can't. You can't hate John Lennon because then you're against peace and love and everything, even though personally he wasn't. <laughs> He's kind of an icky guy in a way, yeah. so whatever. I think that's All my right. bias, too. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I'm going to go to uh, my guilty pleasure. Al Wilson. Number 33. And I think this is a great song. This is a great song. And, uh... Of course, I made sure I had that little clip in there of Casey saying, Al Wilson, how would you, if, so that's my Casey, Al Wilson, how would you say it? Al Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting better. So both of us. <laughs> yeah, is it? This almost sounds like this could be like a spinner song too, you know? Yeah, great, great song. All right, so uh, beautiful song. So, uh, what's your guilty pleasure? Yeah, um, I, I went back and forth a little bit, but since this one's a little bit, uh, or you hear it quite a bit more, I went with uh, number eleven. Hello, it's me. And the reason it's a guilty pleasure is it's it, it's really not the type of song that's sort of something that I would really listen to but it's um this is a well put together song oh yeah i really like the the uh the horns that come in and uh yeah yeah it's good i i i, I, I like this song too a lot yeah i considered also uh uh not push city limits that was something that ooh 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 ooh, ooh. 
really. Yeah, yeah. I, for, for some reason, when I was listening to it, I'm like, yeah, yeah this is all right. I don't know. Don't like it? <laughs> no. Okay. Even the Bob Seger version? <laughs> I think I like the Bob Seger version a little better. I just, I'm, but I really don't like that either. <laughs> okay. Should have picked it as but, the but, no, this is. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and it's it's a guilty pleasure. I wouldn't go out and yeah. buy the Bush City Limits record, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that's like a herky jerky kind of song. Okay, <laughs> this song is smoother, and not that I don't like her, herky jerky songs. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> but. This is a great guilty pleasure. So, as we move to the next category, which is, uh, what do we call our next category? That is the story song of the week. Alright, so, I'm, uh, I didn't spend a lot of time on this, but... And I think I've used this artist record before for a guilty song. Or, excuse me, story song. Story song. Some people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. So this is the Joker. The Maurice. Yeah, I, I guess there's a narrative here. He's saying that, uh, you know, this is... Uh, Girl doesn't have to worry about him wandering. He's right here at home. Yeah, yeah that's all right. Well, it well is no, cool. it's it's really. They call me this. They call me that. They call me that. That's, yeah, that's the story. Yeah, all right. <laughs> the story. So of his... I would have called you the Pompatus of Roback. Yeah. Right. Okay. If, if you know, maybe I'd have to use it at work. You know, the Pompatus of well, fill in the blank. Yeah, <laughs> but who would get it? Did we ever work with a Maurice? I did. Actually, there was a guy um, in, in the Farmington uh, plant? plant named, named yeah. Maurice, and I used to joke about that. Some people call him the gangster of love. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a guy, last name was Maurice, who was, uh, uh, he worked with Franny. What's that organization? The, the Failure Analysis Group. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, reliability. Group? Reliability group. Yeah. This guy, Maurice, was his last name. Okay. He's an interesting cat. Yeah. So, you ever you ever know? I, I believe so, Maurice? now that you're bringing that up. Yeah. Kind yeah. of a little dude. Yeah. Yeah. I think he had, it like, a hoop earring. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, man. All right. What is your story song of the week? Um. Yeah. Uh, oh crap! Did I break the rules again? Uh, Did you, are you using the same one? Um. Yeah. Well, not the same one that you just used. But... No, no. Did you use it from the last time? No, it's not from the ago. last time. But it's it's in another category. So I don't know if that's. But, oh. Yeah. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> All right. So okay, Mr. Rule Breaker. Attention, your attention, please. Rule changes for tonight's World Championship game. No substitution. No penalties. 
No, I picked the number 29, Living for the City, again. Great song. Hit a pass because it's a great song. And it is telling a story with with a not so happy ending. So. But the thing is, is it's only like three slots away on the piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there should be like the, rules. Always oh, been rule changes. Now, look, you know that. Look, you all sign contracts to finish out the season, no matter what the alterations in the game. Now, every last one of you signed. You, you know why I screwed up is because I I had three songs for my best song of the countdown, and I, I kind of waited my, you know, did my judgment right at the end. Ah, <laughs> uh, so okay, so should we go back and re-record the best song of the week for you? Uh, I don't think we want to go through that trouble. Give well, me I a can play it right now. What, what's your second choice? Um, I well, I actually had the same song that you just picked for the story song, <laughs> the, Joker. the Joker. Oh, what's your third choice? Uh, keep on. You know, this is like rank voting. Okay, yeah. this is like where they all want to take us. Well, yeah, yeah. Like you have, we have to have a runoff. Now. Um, yeah, we're having yeah. a runoff. So yeah. what would it be since you broke all the rules? Yeah. All so right. number five, keep on trucking. All right. Rank voting on the seventies weekly countdown with Mark and Pete. Because just like our electorate. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, we'll have an audit and we'll go to the Supreme Court. <laughs> I How can, many hanging chads did we have tonight? You know, I can claim that I can I can declare the rules anytime I want. <laughs> no one's valid. No one's when did you move here? <laughs> What's your death certificate say? Yeah. <laughs> Yours it's a great says, song too, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Yours says the same thing as that uh, the guy that you found his uh, tax return. <laughs> yeah. Did you get a new one? <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm going to push on the most divergent songs, all right, because I kind of forgot about it and I didn't have time. So, right. um, so I failed, okay? You know what? This is not showing up to the polling place at all, or getting an absentee ballot. Yeah, or, right. Or, or, or yeah, writing in nothing. Or, yeah, yeah, leaving it blank and putting it through the machine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, all right. So I'll I'll go ahead then with this. So okay. um, first song is uh, number twenty. Never, never gonna give you up. It's not Rick Ashley, which is a great song. This is a wonderful song. Too. Yeah. So Barry is just, uh, you know, he's so in love. He's never, never going to give her up. And that is completely opposite from number 13. Big old is, uh, huh? Leave me alone. <laughs> okay, Dickie Goodman. Yeah. Was 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 Barry White ever in that Dickie Goodman song? Uh, I think he might have been. He might have been. He, he certainly some of the stuff he had. Uh, I'm gonna have to go research the Dickie Goodman's whole catalog. Oh, when when that Dickie Goodman come, song comes around, if we're still doing this in you know four months, you know that's gonna be wicked fun. All right. So, all right. 
so let's, let's let's see if I can find something that we can uh, yeah you know work our way through and it won't be that one or that one or that one or that one all right how about this one let's let's how about this one all right yeah good choice all right so how do you rank this countdown mark from December 1st, 1973, when we were not even double digits yet. Yeah, yeah. So in my numerical or ratings, I had uh, 22 good songs, 16 neutrals, two bad, and zero sap. Uh-huh. Based on that, I rated this a solid B+. Plus. Um, it, I almost could have rated it a little higher, but there's there's quite a few sort of blah songs in here. Stuff that I didn't rate, you know, bad, but was on the border. And and um, I actually surprised myself because I rated Top of the World by the Carpenters as a good song. Um, <laughs> and so that might have boosted the numbers a little bit. But uh, yeah, so solid B+. Um, trying to think what... Or, uh, let me look and see what what we did uh, ten weeks ago. Nine. Uh, nine weeks ago. So that was episode. You 20. had a B plus, and I had a B plus. Yeah. Okay. So episode twenty one. Yeah. So pretty much the similar. Eh, it makes sense. Similar time period. Yeah. A lot of repeat songs from then too. So. Uh well, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to give this one a B. And I believe that it's really good. And I tell you, the Jim Croce songs and stuff, it just reminded me back of the day. But there's, you know, Drek in here, like Neil Diamond, yeah. Chris Christopherson. Yeah. And I don't understand how, you know, uh, some of this stuff became big but if you if you look through it you know charlie rich okay wonderful wonderful performer with uh with a lot of stuff but the most beautiful girl come on yeah nonetheless great episode great time in our lives okay and uh you know we're working through it man Here we go through another week of the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. And we wrapped it up for the week ending December 1st, 1973. Great time. Great time for everybody. Hopefully everyone remembers it and had a great Thanksgiving last weekend. And so, uh, so Mark, what would, uh, what would our buddy Casey say? He might say something like, uh, keep living for the city and keep knocking on heaven's door. And he would also say, keep your podcast machine right where it's tuned. Thank you for listening, everybody. And thank you for some reviews that showed up on the uh, Apple podcast. Uh, Very nice. And uh, you can find us at 70s Weekly on the Twitter machine. Yeah. So we shall see you again on that Twitter machine. Have a good night, Mark. You too. <laughs>